Money Show. Business books. Now, probably the most stocked book genre in most bookshops is about leadership. And the world is rubbish at leadership. But everybody's got an opinion on leadership and there are more books on leadership uh, in in bookshops than anything else. But also, we are seeing lots of personal finance books coming onto the market right now. And for finally, in the last five years or so, we've seen South African-focused and South African-specific personal finance books. Before that, it was Susie Orman and it was Robert Kiyosaki. And they've got their place in the world. But it were sort of broad generalist books and they were a bit far removed from our South African reality. Gerald Mwamdiambira has written a book called My Money, A Financial Planning Guide for Ordinary People. What I love about this book, Gerald, is the fact that you have not gone into any great depth or detail on any single one subject, but I can't find a single subject that you've actually missed out on. You've you've touched on everything um, and you've gone... So far before the investing part where most personal finance books do go, um, and, you, and you've sort of mapped out the trials and tribulations that all of us uh, have or will face on, on a regular basis. Indeed, Bruce. I think what we have is a situation where in this book, all I said was, let's talk money the way it affects everyone. And as much as there's a place in the world for stocks, shares, bonds, yeah. Bitcoin, the reality is that people... There's no struggle. place in the... No, no, there's no place in the world, Jennifer, for Bitcoin. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We can have that fight. We can have that fight. We can get distracted uh, on that fight. No, the, 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 the basic essence of money is that what do we do with it? And yeah. this book covers all the things you do with money. It talks about your wedding. It talks about what could happen if you have a divorce. It talks about children's pocket money. It talks about gym membership. It doesn't go into the great um, nitty-gritty of the complex stuff in terms of investment strategy. There's plenty of material out there, but many people struggle with the first step. The things that happen before you reach that point when you're ready to invest, the things that happen before you reach that point um, when you get married or when you become an adult. And that's what I try to do in terms of saying, let's talk about your life journey from birth till death and all the money decisions you will have to make. Hence, there's 69 chapters of things which you can do with money. I mean, it's the sort of book that I wish I'd got on the uh, the day before I started work, because once I started work, I was very busy. Uh, but it, it's the sort of book that everybody needs to to have and read and to internalize before you actually get an income um, because once you get into your bad habits once you earn some money um, it, it's very hard to change those bad habits I think that's true. I think when I wrote it, I was thinking of young people, but also I was thinking of adults who once in a while just want to pull out a reference book. And that's why it's been indexed in such a way that you just open the chapter which affects you at that point. You don't need to read the book cover to cover, although it's I think it's pretty interesting. It's got my story in there in terms of my own personal walk with money. But you can simply pick up any chapter, read it and digest what's in there. Dealing with summons. Um, you're already deep in debt. How do I deal with it? I'm a victim of identity theft. Um, shares in the stock market, your consumer rights, small claims court, and it's little bite-sized chapters which enable you to have working knowledge of the subject of money and it actually is one of those books which I said it's the book you need to read before you sit down with a financial advisor or a planner because then he can't tell you all the things he thought you shouldn't know. I mean, but this, this is the point and so many of us are reluctant to take control of our finances so um, we, we don't want to take responsibility for our finances because we believe them to be incredibly complicated because we believe that the world 
this out to get us, that we're going to meet with a fee-gouging broker who's going to sell us stuff that we don't need. So either we go in and we just hope for the best, or we go, or we don't go in at all, um, which is where many people uh, find themselves because they don't know the language. They don't know what to ask. They don't know what to expect because, frankly, our schooling system lets us down um, very, very badly in terms of empowering us to make sensible money decisions. I think you're right, Bruce, and I think one of the additions I'm looking at is doing a schools edition where you simply add a comprehension at the end of each chapter and ask them, you know, um, what things do you look out for when you're getting a cell phone contract? Um, what are the types of marriages in South Africa? Those kinds of um information are the things you'd get in here and I hope it helps a lot of readers in terms of just getting more comfortable with the topic because one of the statements I do make in that is that if you are not in control of your money which is a tool someone else is in control and using that tool to basically manipulate and run your life because money is an innate object it doesn't do anything you just need to master it it's a tool and not everybody will be a billionaire which is why I try to stay away from the read this book and after you finish you'll <laughs> be rich um, but it's one of those books which says that after you finish reading this book you will be more comfortable with money you will understand that it's a tool and that where there's a, somebody gaining with money someone is losing so you just have to figure yourself out where you will be your own money personality and work according to your own style and mm-hmm. when I look at that cover now and it says um, a, a, a personal finance guide for ordinary people I actually want to change it I think it's extraordinary people because it's extraordinary people who realize that they're not in control of money and that they can control it yeah and that's it but also until you choose to take that control you don't have the control and that's why your i think your book uh, gerald is an empowering book uh in the very best sense of the word my money a financial planning guide for ordinary people um i love your chapter particularly on the side hustle, hobbies that pay. <laughs> so many of us feel uh, hard done by by our employers. We we work so hard and we, we don't get the increases we think we deserve. Or we go to our boss and we say, I can't come out on my salary. And your boss says, well, what are you, else are you going to do for me to justify a higher salary? You say, no, you must just pay me more. And that's a conversation that never ends well. Um, so I love the fact that you focus on growing your ability to make money having fun rather than just being demanding about getting more from a boss who may not want to pay you more. I think that's a reality which you're facing. I was reading an old mutual report the other day, which is talking about these people who they call slashers, people who've got multiple jobs just to survive. More and more of us are having to do more than one thing to survive. And that's really trying to say, do a hobby. Everybody has the capacity to do something which can earn them an extra 100 rand if they yeah. really apply themselves. And many of us have got expensive cameras. Be a camera person at a wedding. Have fun with your camera. And, and you can do things like that. And it's all about saying that you need to realize that your time is worth something. And when mm-hmm. you are sleeping, someone else is awake and working and earning money. So if you sleep less, Bruce, in theory, you should become wealthier because of the time you're applying to building wealth. It just makes me hungry. And that's never a good thing. That's never a good thing, Gerald. I mean, and I, I was in when I went to Omaha and uh, to the to the Warren Buffett annual general meeting, going back to the airport in Omaha. It's a fairly long trek across this big flat town of Omaha City um, and uh, my Uber driver picked me up and I uh, said to him so is this your full time job no 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 I'm a statistics professor at the Omaha University I was like 
what are you doing on a Sunday morning driving an Uber? He says, well, I need some money. My wife is soon going to be out of work and my son who lives with us will soon be out of work. So I need to earn some more. I like people and I like driving. So this is a useful way for me to help bridge that gap. He wasn't giving up. He wasn't curling up at a heap and crying about it. He was making a plan. And most of us have cars, which I'm probably not doing much. I mean, I was reading a story about the Chinese in rural villages who just do two airport trips a day and they earn enough to be able to make a living and pay that car installment. And they get the pleasure of driving along these empty highways and enjoying their cars. And it's about saying, let's apply ourselves and take it outside the box and saying, how else can I create and generate that second income? I think we have been put in boxes and the, the longer you accept to live in your particular box that the, the, the longer you never fully explore and find your full potential mm-hmm. and that's all we're saying here in terms of saying teach your children the four basic pillars of money saving investing giving and and and, and also having a focus on religion in terms of religious giving as well now, I find these that, are principles no, but okay but now how, how because you, you you litter the book you litter that's maybe the wrong word you pepper and the book with with biblical extracts you've got you, know, you quote from Timothy and you talk about the root <laughs> of money is all evil i mean it, it, that kind of limits the market that you appeal to or not it doesn't because i think it's just giving us reality to the things we commonly hear about money and everybody's heard that saying money is the root of all evil except they they miss out the part which says for the love of, of money, money is the root of all evil because people who love money make irrational decisions and you love money when you don't see it as a tool people don't go around loving hammers people don't go around ha- loving chairs they are things and tools which we use and if you see money as a tool you're less likely to be in love with it you're more likely to own it you're more likely to use it for its intended purpose and that's all it is and yes the biblical um, um, verses are important because those are the common sayings which most of us have heard all our lives and we're simply debunking those myths we even talk okay. about stock files in this book instead you of do. saying a stock file is is you can call it an investment club you can call it whatever you want high tea but it doesn't matter it's a group of people uh, us knowing that the group of the col- the power of the collective is ultimately the biggest way of creating wealth hence most of our wealth even here in south africa came from the mutual societies they may be all big insurance companies now but they all started yeah. off as stock files yeah most certainly uh, last one i want to talk about ponzi schemes and i want to talk about schemes generally south africa is awash with trying to, with people with get rich schemes and some people capitalize and some people do well and other people will lose their shirts and um, wes is shouting at me because i'm saying there's no place for bitcoin are you mad no i'm not mad i'm the only <laughs> sane person here wes um uh, but i i see bitcoin as a bubble and i see it high risk i don't see it as an investment class it, it doesn't have any assets it doesn't give a, any sort the, of yield there, there's no underlying value as there's, long as there's yeah. nothing underlying there's nothing behind it That's so you're buying you're buying fresh air you're buying fresh air but you do draw attention to schemes and scams and not that bitcoin's a scam it's just uh, people are hyper excited about this thing and which scares the living daylights out of me which is why i'm a poor journalist on the radio not a, a super rich financial advisor who writes books for a living you see well i think even financial advisors are not super rich these days they're writing books for a living there you go a second income right there um practicing what i preach but yes it is christmas time and it is ponzi <laughs> and pyramid time yeah. all the all the pyramids and ponzi's are, are rearing their ugly heads and i've heard of a couple and they all tend to include the word 
Bitcoin because people know that's the that's the that's the word which is getting people's eyes to yeah. pop up and ears to pop up. So be careful during this festive season. The Ponzi schemes and pyramids have not died. They've just renamed them, renamed themselves, and they're some sort of coin. They're coming out to get you. They really are. Um, Gerald Mwandembira, thank you so much for coming in. The book is lovely. It really is. And I, I take my hat off to you. You've worked very, very hard on it. There's a huge amount of information. It's very good information. A financial planning guide for ordinary people. Gerald Mwandembira, my money, his money, somebody's money. But the book is called My Money. You understand what I mean?